Well, welcome to California Community Church. I'm glad you're here. I'm Pastor Brad. You have come to week two in my end of summer teaching series, which is all about the choices that we make in life. Quick survey, pop quiz. How many of you along the way have made some good choices in your life? Let me see your hands. How many of you are sitting by one of those good choices today? Yeah, yeah. Now, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Everybody keep, if you made a good choice, keep your hand up. Now, with those hands up, how many of you have also along the way made some very bad choices? Let me see. Yeah, right? Same hands are up. Same hands are up. Even when we plan to make good choices, we sometimes make bad choices. Here's what I know. I don't know that I've actually met anybody that went out intentionally to do something that they knew would hurt themselves, like, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna go out and make a bad choice. I mean, who says, as they're putting together their five-year goals, I think I wanna be out of shape. I'm gonna put that on the list. I think I wanna be bankrupt, and while I'm setting my goals, I'll add divorce. I mean, nobody, like long-term planning, puts bad things on their list. Nobody really wants to do that. Like, we kinda tend to be self-serving people. We wanna put our own interests first, and we tend to try to plan, at least try to plan what's best. But then inevitably, we'll end up doing what's not. A famous Christian, one of the writers of the New Testament, his name is Paul, and he said this, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely Despise. How many of you have found yourself in that place? Like I set out to do this and doggone it, I went over here and I did that. Today we're going to talk about something that I actually believe is going to help everybody in this room. It has the potential to help everybody in this room because you need to understand that the quality of your choices determines the quality of your life. Let's say it. The quality of your choices determines the quality of your life. Let me say it this way. A better life is on the other side of consistently better choices. So, to get right to work today, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever given in to temptation and you've regretted it? You've given in to temptation. How many of you were tempted to not raise your hand right then, in, in that moment, right? I mean, temptation's everywhere. You just can't get away from it. The Apostle Paul, the same guy who wrote just a minute ago that he wanted to do good, but he ended up doing bad, he knew we needed a strategy to attack that. Like, how do we stand against temptation? How do we consistently make better choices? So he wrote this. Stay alert, stand firm in the faith, show courage, be strong. Now, look at those phrases. Stay alert, stand firm, show courage, be strong. What does that mean? It means don't let your guard down. When spiritual attacks come, call it temptation, be alert, be brave, be strong. Now, why is that important? Because in the spiritual realm, there are two opposing forces. You need to understand this. Now, some philosophical points of view say that there's, you know, there's good and there's bad and they're equal, like yin and yang, but that's not actually true. Good is actually greater than bad. The power of good is actually stronger than the power of evil. Well, then, Brad, why does evil seem to win a lot? Because evil has its greatest power against the person who's unprepared for it. 
against the person who's not standing guard, against the person who's not watching what they think and watching what they choose. On a pivotal night in the life of Jesus, it was actually the night that he knew a threat was approaching. His enemies were coming to arrest him. This was the weekend of his execution, and he knew it. So Jesus said to his followers, I want you to catch this. He said, I want you to watch, and I want you to pray. Like, pray, but keep one eye open. I want you to watch. I want you to pray. Now, why would Jesus give that instruction? Look what he said. Watch and pray so you don't what? fall into temptation because you want to do the right thing. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is so often weak. We need to spend a minute here. Jesus was saying, I need you to be on your guard. Like you don't know what's coming, but something's coming. You don't know how hard it's going to be, but it's going to be hard. You don't know what you're going to be tempted to do, but I know what you're going to be tempted to do. And the way to address that, Jesus said, is be on your guard. Now, why should you be on guard? That's a very good question. Why should you be on your guard? Well, let's talk about it for a minute. First of all, because you have a spiritual enemy. You have a spiritual enemy. We're talking about spiritual things today, and I'm not trying to be weird or be woo-woo or freak anybody out today, but if you live long enough on this earth, you've lived long enough to see evil people. You've witnessed evil. You've probably found yourself asking, what is wrong with that person? Or how could someone do that to another human being? I mean, we've witnessed evil. We've seen evil. What you need to understand, that exists in the spiritual dimension. I mean, so many of us, and I know I have these days, I really want to live on the Pollyanna side of it, the positive side of it. I really want the spiritual dimension to just be filled with light and angels, right? Throw in a little glitter if you want to. Like, that's where I want it to be. But the truth of it is, I've lived long enough to know in the spiritual dimension, there isn't only good. There is also an evil side to this. Who's tracking with me? Have I freaked anybody out yet? I hope not. I hope not. And there's a personality that's behind this evil. Now, he's been called simply the evil one, or he goes by other names, the devil, or Lucifer, or an angel of light, or an angel of darkness. One time, Jesus even called this spiritual entity a thief. Now, why would Jesus call him a thief? Because he comes to steal. He, he comes to take every good thing away from you. Jesus said, the thief, and he's talking about this spiritual entity, the one who is really running the operation of evil on the planet. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come so that they might have life and have life more abundantly. Now, I want you to look at that. The name of everything evil in the spiritual realm is a thief. Lucifer, the devil, you know. But the name of everything holy and good and sacred and positive in the spiritual realm is Jesus. And I want you to notice the difference. The purpose of temptation, the purpose of spiritual attacks, the purpose of trying to get you to do what you hate to do, the purpose is to take from you. The purpose is to steal from you. The purpose is to kill what's good inside of you. And if possible, even take your life. The thief. That's why he comes. That's why he breaks into your mind. 
That's why he's trying to influence your choices. You know what I know about thieves? Fundamentally, they're lazy. They're going to rob the unguarded house way more than they're going to rob the guarded house. That's why if you come to my house, you're going to see cameras and you're going to see signs and you're going to see alarm companies, you know, advertised because I know as somebody's walking down my street, they're going to go to my next door neighbor's house. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I just don't want them to come to my house, right? I'd have to beat them up and that looks bad in the papers. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. Why do they go to the unguarded house? They can do more damage. They can steal more stuff. And in the spiritual realm, this evil persona, this person, this evil one, the thief, he knows who's unguarded. He knows who's weak. He knows who's exhausted. He knows who's emotionally fragile. He knows who's not paying attention. He knows when you're vulnerable. And he knows when to attack. And he knows how to tempt you out of God's will. And he knows how to hurt you. And he knows how to hurt the people around you. So we're told first to be on guard, to be ready, to watch and pray because we have a spiritual enemy. Everybody with me so far? We have a spiritual enemy. Now, another reason we need to be on guard is because we're not as strong as we think. You're not as strong as you think. Now, I'm not talking about physical strength here. You may be able to bench press a minibus. I don't care about that. What can you do in the spiritual realm? How strong are you in the unseen world where the forces of evil come against you and attack your mind and your spirit? See, we tend to think that we can handle a lot more than we can actually handle. Like something that's very sobering in the ancient scriptures is this verse. You think you're standing, or if you do, be careful, that's when you're going to fall. Like, right? The minute we think, oh, it's all good, I'm strong, I'm good, I'm good. Watch out, watch out. That's when we're vulnerable. That's why we often end up in a place that we don't want to be, making choices that we don't want to make. Studies about this are actually fascinating to me. They show that people vastly overestimate their ability to resist temptation. We think we're way stronger than we really are. And the technical term is known as restraint bias. We are biased toward the belief that we can restrain ourselves more than we can actually restrain ourselves. Like coworker brings chocolate cake, you know, to the office break room and you walk by at one time and he's like, I told you, I can restrain myself. Second time, you get a little closer. Third time, you got chocolate in your hair, under your nails. You don't even know how it happened. You blocked out. You know, you're just, you wake up and the cake's gone and it had to be you. Had to be you. Right? Why is that? Because we overestimate our ability to restrain ourselves. One of the reasons is because we have no idea how much energy it actually takes to resist temptation. The part of your brain that controls willpower gets tired. Did you know that? Willpower wears out. The more you use it over the course of a day or over time, the weaker it becomes. Your willpower, like an overused muscle, actually needs a recovery period. It needs time to rebuild. And so if you're attacked during a low season or a low part of your willpower, then you're fair game. We're in this spiritual battle. We need to know these things, like to be prepared, to be on guard. We need to understand 
that willpower alone isn't enough. So what I want to do today, I want to teach you three choices that make all the difference. Like you can make choices that will actually supplement and even take over when willpower isn't strong enough. When willpower isn't strong enough. How many of you would like to learn these? All right, I'll keep going. You could have gotten out of church right then, but you voted, so here we go. Here we go, right? Three choices that make all the difference, all right? Choice number one, if you're going to be on guard, don't play near the edges. Don't play near the edges. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's just say that the, the front edge of this stage is the, the edge of a path on the face of a mountain. And on this side of the edge, let's just suppose, is a thousand foot precipitous fall, sharp, craggy rocks. You, you're going to be, you're just going to be slaughtered if you fall off this edge, right? But you have this much of a path all the way to that back wall. You've got a path this wide. There's the edge. Now, if there's a thousand foot fall there, where's the smart play? Where's the best place? Here or there? Just say here or there. Here or there? There. That's the smart play. Now, let's get spiritual. Let's suppose this stage is God's perfect will for your life. This is where God wants you to live and play and enjoy. This is where God wants you to exist and produce and be productive and have family. This is where God wants you to be. And you have this whole stage area, but over here, over here, spiritual carnage. Over here, the ruination of your life. Over here, the wreckage of your reputation. Over here, the destruction of your family. Over here, the demolition of your future. Complete destruction or really good God-honoring things. You with me so far? And here's what we typically do. And do not act like you're holier than everybody else in this room. If there's a line, what do most people want to do? Point to your neighbor and say, you too. <laughs> you too. A study was done with a bunch of children left in a room with candy on a table, and they were told not to eat it until the adult came back into the room and they had hidden cameras. It's fun to watch. Kids are poking at it, smelling it, licking it. <laughs> and no kidding, within five minutes, they ate all the candy. Because it is in our nature, when a line is drawn, to get near the edge and then take one more step. One more step. Sometimes Karen will tell me about my humor. She'll say, Brad, there was a line, and there you went. <laughs> you know, one more step. Some of you know that I'm a scuba dive master. What we don't tell scuba diving students is let's see how little oxygen we can get by with. We don't do that. We don't see, say, let's see how long we can stay at the bottom of the ocean with almost no air. We don't do that. We stay far from empty, far from the edge. And since we know our spiritual enemy is coming for us, what we need to do is determine where the line is 
and then get far from it. You determine something's wrong, don't get as close to that as you can. Stay as far from it as you can. Does this make sense to you? Now, give you a couple of examples. Let's say you're on a diet, but donuts are your best friend. And praise be to God, there's a donut shop on your way to work every day. You have some choices there. You could cruise by the donut shop slowly. You could drive in the parking lot, just peek through the glass. You could roll down your car window and inhale the exhaust smell from the oven. You could do that. I heard about one guy, he prayed all the way to the donut shop. Lord, if you want me to have a donut today, leave a parking spot right out in front. When he got to work, he had sugar powder all over his face. He explained to his coworkers it was God's will. After my third time around the block, there was a parking spot right, right in front. If you play close to the edge, it won't be long until you have sticky glaze on your fingers and cream on your face. Who's following this? Who's with me? Instead, you could choose to find another route to work. Or discipline your mind to not even look as you drive by the donut shop. Don't play near the edge. If your issue is drinking, it's foolish to go to a bar. I'll just go, I'll just sit with my friends, I won't have, I won't have a drink. You just got near the edge. It could be that person that you're tempted to cheat with. Don't say, well, we'll just text. Like, how bad could that be? You just got near the edge. Am I trying to destroy your fun? I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying to save your family. I'm showing you how to have a life you and your kids can be proud of. So the very first thing is be on your guard, right? But don't, don't play near the edge. Don't play near the edge. Here's the second thing. And this is on your notes. Ten times the cost. 10x the cost. This is a super important principle. When you are thinking about playing near the edge, you're thinking about, oh, how bad can it be? You know, should I step over? Like, what if I fall? You know, I'm sure plenty of people survived that fall. I don't want you to just think, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst case scenario? I don't want you to just think that. I want you to think, what if the price I'd have to pay is 10 times worse than what I can even imagine? See, the worst thing is not that you die because there was a hot spot of fentanyl in your heroin. That's not the worst thing. The worst thing is that you live and you watch your best friend convulse and die from the heroin you gave him. That's ten times. Are you with me? The worst thing is not an STD from promiscuity. It could be twins. We're talking ten times. Have I lost anybody? Anybody want to leave? 
Are you tempted to leave? You might go to jail. You might go to jail. Your story might be in the news. Right? You might end up with nothing. Is this too real? Is this too real? Too, too much? I think you live in the same world I do. You could lose your reputation. You could lose your integrity. You could lose your job. You could lose a loved one. You could lose your finances. You could lose your children. And then you could lose ten times that much. What I want you to do is ask yourself, what's the worst possible thing that could happen if I play near the edge? And then ten times that. Be on your guard. Be ready. Be prepared because temptation is coming. Don't play near the edge and 10x the consequences. Listen to me. Five minutes of sin could wreck a lifetime of pursuing Jesus. And that's why we're learning together today that we have a spiritual enemy. And his whole MO is to steal from you and kill any good in your life. And literally destroy you if you will allow him to do that. So we're going to be ready. We're going to be on our guard. So when he does attack, you're not going near the edge. Like, let's just say, let's just say, let me, the smallest person in the room. I don't know who the smallest person in the room is. I think this sweet little angel right here is probably the smallest person in the room. Cute headband, by the way, honey. She's right over here. Like, she could come over here, I mean, it's just physics. And if I reach down and she pulls with all of her little weight, gravity and her little effort would pull me off. Why? Because I started on the edge. Now, if I start way over there on that wall, sweetheart, come get me. She could tug, she could push, she could use her legs, she could try to backpack. She's not moving me an inch. Because we're on equal footing. I started far from the... Are you with me? Don't be stupid. That's a spiritual principle. I should have made that a point. You can't fix stupid. Right? 10x the cost. 10x the cost. One more thing. One more thing. We have to learn to run. We have to learn to run. There's a guy in the Hebrew Scriptures, his name was Joseph, who was a slave. And life for Joseph was not at all what he thought life would be. He was used, he was abused, he was betrayed. I bet there were days in Joseph's life he was even disappointed with God. And as a slave in a rich man's house, the rich man's wife made a sexual play for Joseph, even pulling off some of his clothes. Now I want you to think about this. Here is a young man with young man needs. And she made the first move. I mean, who's going to know? And remember, he was disappointed with life. He hadn't had much joy in his life. He might have even been disappointed with God. And I want to teach you something here. Don't use your disappointments to justify your disobedience. Don't do this. Well, my spouse isn't meeting my needs, so, you know, got to do what I got to do. No, that's stupid. 
well, God got me into this spot, so I might as well just enjoy it. No, that's stupid. Stupid. Joseph did what we learned last weekend. If you weren't here last weekend, that message is in the video archives on our website. You can go back and look at it. Last weekend, we learned a principle that you pre-choose the right decision. You preach is before you get into a situation, you determine what your values are and you determine who you're going to be. And then when it comes, you've already pre-decided how you're going to live your life. And Joseph did that. He pre-chose that he was going to honor God with his life. And you watch his trajectory all the way through his life. Bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. Didn't matter. He didn't allow his disappointment to justify disobedience. He stayed faithful to God. So it was already predecided. When this rich man's wife came on to him, he resisted. He said, no. He said, your husband trusts me. He said, I'm a man of God. He said, I'm not going to do this. And he did the most important thing that we can do in the face of temptation. He ran. He ran. You might say, well, Joseph was stronger than I am. This wasn't about strength. It wasn't because Joseph was strong. It's because Joseph was ready. Here's the amazing thing about God. When you're tempted, and you will be tempted, the good news is that God is faithful. And the good news is that when you're tempted, the Scripture says God will always give you a way to run away. He'll always give you a path of escape. The Scripture says no temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. In other words, everybody has similar temptations. What you're facing what you're tempted by, people have been tempted by the same thing before you. Other people will be tempted by the same thing after you. Temptation is common. And none of it's overtaking you. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability because, look, with the temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Every single time, Every single time, there is no temptation that the devil will bring your way without God also providing a way out. There's no lust. There's no financial temptation. We choose ahead of time. The devil's going to attack. I'm not as strong as I think, so I need to be ready. I'm going to pre-choose not to live near the edge. I'm going to pre-choose that the 10 times cost of giving in to temptation is more than I want to pay. I'm going to pre-choose that in that moment, I'm looking for the exit, and I am going to run. I mean, some people foolishly think, well, I just, you know, I just want to show how strong I am. That is, it's what? You're never going to forget that, are you? Stupid. Remember this. Nobody wakes up and says, today's a good day to wreck my life. Today I think I'm going to throw it all away. But people do this all the time. Can you do yourself a favor? I want you to be incredibly honest about where you believe you might be vulnerable today. And it's very easy to kind of get lost in the crowd and distracted by what's happening around you, but this is about you and God right now. 
So would you just do me a favor? If everybody just bow their head, allow the person on either side of you to have privacy, would you? Just you bow your, even if you're not going to play along, you just bow your head. Everybody bow your head. And it would even be better if you would just close your eyes so that you can do some self-assessment. Where are you vulnerable? Is it in your pride? You've actually been thinking you are stronger than you really are. Or have you been justifying your behavior because of your disappointment with God? You're mad at God. Well, if God hadn't done this, then I wouldn't behave this way. Oh, Do you find yourself compromising in some area of your finances like you're already in the ethical shades of gray? Are you lying about something and you're afraid to come clean? Do you find yourself being pulled toward lustful temptation again and again? Are you compromising who you are. You're one person at church, but you're another person around your friends. Like, is there a duality there and there should be instead integrity? Listen, the devil's coming for you. Comes for all of us. And we're not as strong as we think. So what are we going to do? We're going to be on our guard. We're going to watch and pray. We're going to be ready We're not going to play near the edge. We're going to 10x the consequences when we can. We're going to run. And last week we learned if we know what's valuable to us, if we know what really matters, our reputation, our relationship with God, our relationship with friends and family, if we really know what our values are, that helps us. Look up here at the screen for a minute. When our values are clear, our choices are what? Choices are easy. So when the moment comes for you, and it'll come this week again, temptation comes around with great regularity. When you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're overwhelmed, when you're emotional, when you're depressed, you're vulnerable. And that's when temptation will come in an unguarded way moment but your choice can take place right now based on what's valuable to me based on my values what matters to me I am going to choose to stay faithful to my God you can pre-choose that before the temptation And then when it comes, just look for the exit and run. If you're in a life group, this is what we're going to be talking about this week. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the very simple, very clear principles in Scripture. None of us are immune to this. None of us we'll go through life without facing temptations in many areas of our life. We think we've escaped this one okay, and then bam, we get hit on the other side by a new one or another one. And the devil thinks that if he doesn't get us the first time, he'll just keep coming. 
So it's an ongoing battle. But with your strength, when we make good choices, use our minds as our ally, Father, we can resist. And many right now are saying that's what they're going to do. They're pre-choosing to stay faithful to you, Jesus. And I'm so thankful they are. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen.